0: up to this point there's been more than one occasion when someone has come up to me and said something along the lines of I don't know why God has me here or I wish I knew what God's purpose for my life is and usually they're looking for some kind of answer from me to help guide them in finding out what their purpose is and there are two things that I like to share with people who are kind of asking that question and they're in that place of wondering I tell them that, first of all, we know the generic purpose that God has for all of his followers, which is to go out and to make disciples. And that is a call that is placed on the life of every follower of Christ. But as far as how God wants each specific person to follow that call, that's something that can't come from me. That's something that people need to talk with God about in order for him to show that person what their specific purpose is and what God wants them to be doing in that moment. Because that can change over times of what God is wanting somebody to do. But ultimately, that specific purpose needs to come from God rather than from any person. But with all of that in mind, what I want to do today is to share some insights that can help you understand what a clear purpose looks like. So if you feel like God may be putting a purpose on your life, that you can be able to identify whether or not this is a clear, good purpose, or if maybe it's getting jumbled up with some other things. So with that in mind, I want to take us to this exchange that takes place between Jesus and the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 12. Now, this is the point in Jesus's ministry where he was beginning to be more open about being the son of God. Because up to this point, oftentimes he would heal someone and say, now, don't tell anybody about this, right? I don't want the word getting out too early. But it was around this point in his ministry when he was beginning to be more open about his identity. And so it's with that in mind that we come into Matthew chapter 12. And I want to begin reading at verse 1. It says, at that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. He answered, Haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. Or haven't you read in the law that the priests on Sabbath duty in the temple desecrate the Sabbath and yet are innocent? I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Going on from that place, he went into their synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus, they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He said to them, If any of you has a sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will you not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Therefore it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out, and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. Now this exchange is also found in Mark and Luke, and there's some details in those Gospels that I'm going to pull from as well as we're talking. But I feel like this passage in Matthew best shows us that Jesus had a clear purpose of what it was he was trying to accomplish, and that he also understood the purpose clearly of the law of God for his people. And we see that as the Pharisees are scolding Jesus for allowing his disciples to pick grain to eat on the Sabbath, because you weren't supposed to do anything on the Sabbath. And yet here he was allowing them to do this work of picking grain so that, they could eat. And what Jesus begins to do in response is point to examples of when similar laws were broken in order that the purpose of those laws could be fulfilled. So he points to the example of David and his men who went and ate the consecrated bread that was only supposed to be for the priests to eat. However, if the purpose of that bread was to be able to nourish the people who were anointed by God so that they could go and do what God was calling them to do, then that purpose was still being accomplished by David, who was the anointed of God, going out and needing the nourishment that he needed to go and do what God was calling him to do. So the purpose of that consecrated bread, of nourishing God's anointed so that God's anointed could go and fulfill God's call, that purpose was still being fulfilled by being eaten by David and his men. He also points out that priests that had Sabbath duty were tasked with maintaining the temple and making sure that the Sabbath could be observed by others. So even though they were working on that day, the work that they were doing on the Sabbath was what was necessary for the purpose of the Sabbath to be fulfilled in the lives of everyone else. And when we look at this exchange in Mark, Jesus even uses the phrase that man was not made for the Sabbath, but rather the Sabbath was made for man. And in saying that, he's recognizing that the reason the Sabbath was given to man was so that they could rest, so that they could have a healthy life to be able to go and work the rest of the week. So the whole purpose of the Sabbath was to keep them healthy. So if the whole purpose of the Sabbath was to keep people physically, mentally, emotionally healthy and Jesus' disciples were hungry, the purpose of the Sabbath would have been destroyed if Jesus had not allowed them to eat and the purpose of the Sabbath was fulfilled by allowing them to eat. And so Jesus shows here That the purpose of that law of the Sabbath was still being fulfilled, it was just being fulfilled in a different way. And when we have a clear purpose, it causes us to see things in that way, where we're less focused on the what and we're more focused on the why. And it's important when we are doing things and trying to accomplish things that we stay focused on the why more than the what and the how. Because if you lose that why, then you've lost that purpose. But if you get so focused up in just the what and the how, sometimes you can spend so much time just skirting around the edges of that what that you completely lose the why. That's how you end up in situations where somebody can be legally innocent, but morally wrong. Because they know how to bend the rules just enough to be able to do what they want to do while still being innocent. Think about all the variations of the joke of somebody going to McDonald's and they order a double Whopper and a large fry and then a large Coke. Oh, and make sure it's a Diet Coke because I want to be healthy, right? It's... (laughs) It kind of defeats the whole purpose of ordering the Diet Coke. Because if the Diet Coke is supposed to be the option that allows you to be healthy, But you're pairing it alongside all of this unhealthy stuff then you might as well just order a regular coke at that point because you've defeated the purpose of trying to be healthy but i see this happen a lot where people get so caught up in the trees that they miss the forest and they're so caught up in how things should be done and what things we need to be doing that the purpose of what they were originally trying to accomplish Becomes completely lost and a lot of times you end up in places of just immense frustration Because you're trying to accomplish something and it just seems like it's not working And that is a great indicator that you've become so caught up in the what and the how That you've completely abandoned the why and you've lost the purpose that you originally had And if you can go back to that why why am I doing this why is this important what is it we're trying to accomplish? That's the why. That's what I need to be focusing on. And when we can begin to do that, then everything will become a lot simpler and clearer because you'll be able to identify what is necessary and what is helpful versus what is unnecessary and sometimes even pointless. When you have your eye on that goal, then the only things that really matter are the things that move you closer to that goal. And Jesus understood that there were things the Pharisees were implementing that were hindering the goals of God being accomplished rather than helping them to be accomplished. But because the Pharisees were so caught up in the what and the how, they hated Jesus for bringing things back to the why and simplifying things. And because they hated Jesus so much for doing this, we see here that they were looking for a reason to bring charges against Jesus, and they were plotting together with each other about how they might kill him. And it's here that we see a very clear purpose in the hearts of the Pharisees. And that should be a warning for us, that the Pharisees had a very clear purpose. They knew what they wanted to do, and they knew how they wanted to do it. They hated Jesus, they hated what he stood for, and they were willing to do whatever was necessary in order to fulfill their purpose of killing Jesus. And we see in that, and should recognize then, that having a clear purpose can still move a person into doing what is evil. Just because you know without a shadow of a doubt what you want to accomplish doesn't mean that that is a good thing. In fact, I have seen many times when somebody wanted to accomplish something that was good in one context that became destructive in another context. And again, this brings us back to that idea where if we lose sight of why we are doing something and just focus entirely on what we want to accomplish and especially how we want to accomplish that, then we aren't taking into consideration where that purpose comes from and what it's trying to ultimately accomplish in the end and whether or not it's even good or helpful. Just because you have a clear purpose doesn't mean you have a good purpose. In fact, one of the things that comes up a lot when In discussions about writing, you know, writing books or writing movies, writing good characters, one of the things that's mentioned a lot is the idea of the villain's motivation. Because when you have a really good villain, the villain knows exactly what they want, and they know how they want to accomplish it. It's not very exciting to have a villain who's just kind of hanging out on the couch wondering what he wants to do, or a Villain that's there, but doesn't really know what it is. He's trying to do the best villains Know what they want to do and they know how they want to do it and they will stop at nothing to accomplish their goal in contrast to that a good hero comes to understand what is needed for the situation they are in So the villain is focused on what they want and how they want to accomplish it. A good hero is recognizing the situation they are in and striving to accomplish what is needed to help the people who are there. So the villain's purpose is coming from within them, whereas the hero's purpose is being gleaned from the situation around them. Let's use a classic hero-villain combo, Batman and the Joker. The Joker knows exactly what he wants. He wants to show the whole world that everything in reality is just a giant, cruel joke. And the way he goes about doing that is by taking the things and people that are most precious to others and destroying them. Because he knows that if he can destroy what is most sacred to other people, that they'll find that there is nothing sacred in the world, and that none of it matters... And that it's completely unfair, therefore you should just do whatever you want to do, because what does it matter? None of it matters anyway. That's the motivation behind the Joker, to show everybody how worthless everything is, that nothing matters, so you might as well just try to have a good time in the midst of the chaos. Whereas Batman watched his parents be murdered in the alleyway and watched the person get away. There was no one to stop him, and he recognized that that was evil, and that was wrong, and that somebody needed to do something to prevent that from happening to other people. So the Joker, his motivation, his purpose is coming from what he believes and and what he is striving to accomplish— Whereas Batman, his purpose, is coming from a recognition of an evil situation and trying to prevent that evil from spreading because that will bring disaster to the city of Gotham. So the Joker is focused on what he believes and what he wants to accomplish and how he wants to accomplish it. Whereas Batman is focused on why it is necessary for him to do what he does for the sake of other people, ...rather than just to further his own selfish ambitions. A good villain always believes in their cause. Each and every one of us, we believe in our cause. We believe that what we're doing is the right thing. But if we never stop and consider where our motivation is coming from... ...and what it is that we are trying to accomplish... And is it necessary? Is it helpful? Why are we doing what we're doing? If we never take the time to test that purpose, it is very easy for us to be led astray into doing things that are evil because we believe it's what's good. The worst of things are done with the best of motivations, but it doesn't make them good. And we are very bad at gauging our own desires, gauging our own attitudes. And so, thankfully, we don't have to do that ourselves. We serve a God who is unchanging and perfect in all his ways, who wants a relationship with us, to communicate with us, and what we can do and should do then is allow God to test where our purpose comes from. Why, God, am I trying to accomplish this? And is the end result that I'm striving for something that will be pleasing for you? Because if we don't know where we're headed, if we don't know what it is we're trying to accomplish, it's very easy for us to be led astray by the enemy. So we ask him, God, why am I doing this? What am I trying to accomplish? And Jesus knew exactly why he was on earth. He knew exactly the purpose that he had, and he knew why it was needed for him to do what he needed to do. And because of that, when he then faced this opposition, he didn't stop in the face of that opposition. He continued on because he knew that what he needed to do needed to be done, and that it was good. And so he goes into the synagogue and he heals this man with the shriveled hand. And this is where a detail in Luke, I believe, is very insightful. Because in Luke, it says that Jesus had the man stand up before the crowd before Jesus healed him. And I really like that the healing that Jesus was doing, that he went to the extra effort of making sure that it was being done publicly, Whereas the Pharisees, in their plotting, are making sure that they're doing their plotting privately and in whispered voices among one another. So Jesus is healing publicly, whereas the Pharisees are plotting privately. And this is another great indicator of whether or not the purpose that we are trying to accomplish is a good purpose, of asking ourselves, is this something that I want to be public? Or is it something that I'm trying to keep private? Am I okay with everybody knowing what it is that I'm trying to do and why I'm trying to do it? Where I'm trying to move to? What goal I'm trying to accomplish? Am I okay with everybody being aware of that? Or am I keeping my motivations to myself? Am I keeping my goals hidden away from everyone else? Because if everybody knew why I'm doing what I'm doing, and what it is I'm ultimately trying to accomplish, that they would turn away from me. And so it's so important that nobody ever finds out about why I'm doing this. You see, when a clear purpose is good, it is not hidden away. There's no need to hide it. There's no, there's no need to fear it being exposed to other people and if we feel like the things we're trying to accomplish needs to stay behind closed doors and in hushed voices and hidden away from everyone else, that is a huge red flag that we are on the wrong path. And more than that, the Bible is very clear that that is not the kind of life that God wants us to have. I love the way it's described in 1 John chapter 1. Purifies us from all sin. This passage shows us that to have fellowship with God is to walk in light rather than in darkness. And light exposes everything that's in the room. It shows people what is clearly taking place and what's happening around them. And if we find ourselves walking in the darkness, to accomplish the things we want to accomplish, that shows that we are doing so separate from what God is trying to accomplish. When our purpose is good and our motivations are pure and holy, we don't fear our hearts and motivations being exposed. We don't worry about word getting out of what we've said or what we're trying to do and why we're trying to do it. We don't divide and conquer. We don't have to look around before we speak and speak in hushed voices and get people behind closed doors so that we can talk with them privately, one on one, and make sure they're on our side and then go and do that with somebody else one on one and make sure that we're handling each and everything in the corner, in the darkness, separated from others privately, because nobody can know. What I'm really doing. And the only way I'm going to accomplish this is if nobody else knows why I'm doing this and what I'm trying to accomplish. It is the enemy that works in darkness. The enemy that walks in the shadows and the corners of the room. God calls us to walk in light. He calls us to be open and honest with others to open up our heart to him and to those around us so that what is broken inside of us can be fixed and so what light is in our lives can shine for others to see you see god wants to have fellowship with us and give us a purpose a specific purpose of what it is he wants us to accomplish with where we are right now. But we will only receive that purpose when we have fellowship with Him. And that fellowship is going to be had in the light. And the purpose that He gives us to accomplish is going to be walked out in the light and not in the darkness. It's going to be focused on the why more than the what and the how. And by allowing that purpose to be walked out in the light and to be focused on the why, it allows us to be able to see whether or not that purpose is good. But when we, like the Pharisees, become more focused on the what and the how rather than the why and find ourselves to be walking in darkness, it muddies the waters and obscures from our view what God's purpose for our life is. And so I want to leave you today with this question. Have you allowed some form of darkness to cloud God's purpose for your life? Do you find that you are walking in darkness when you're trying to accomplish your goals? Do you find that you're more focused on how things are done rather than why things are being done? Because when God gives you a purpose, he's focusing on what he's trying to accomplish, which is the why. He's focused on the goal. And it's going to be something that does not need to be hidden away. It's something that can be walked out in his light. And that's today's sermon in the pocket. As always, if you have any comments or questions for me, I would love to hear from you. And you can either reach me through the Sermon in the Pocket Facebook page, and you can also email me directly at sermoninthepocket at gmail.com. And I encourage you, wherever you're listening to this, because it's in a few different places, like it, share it, comment, all of those things that help get the message out there for other people to hear. But until next time, thank you so much for taking the time to listen. And I pray that God will bless you with a clear purpose and with the faith and boldness and courage that is required to walk it out. But until next time, go with the blessings of God.